Futures trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities. Opinions and statements of guests not affiliated with Everag are their own and do not reflect the views of Everag. The accuracy of their statements cannot be guaranteed by Everag. Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Brett O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of the markets. Today is Tuesday, May 2nd. July 23 corn is down one and three quarter cents, trading 582 and three quarters, with July 23 soybeans down 10 and a half, trading 1417 even. Turning to our guest this week, it's our privilege to have Joey Hennigan, field agronomist with Bex Hybrids. Thanks for joining the show today, Joey. Thank you for having me, Brad. I'm looking forward to it. Well, Joey, it is springtime and planters and tillage equipment are flying around the fields across the Midwest. What have you been hearing about planting conditions across the Midwest and what's the early reports out from the field? Yes, that's a good question. Um, across the Midwest, everything I've been hearing is that we're you know cooler than what people would like to see. But definitely with this first week of May, most geographies, even in the Northern Corn Belt, Looks like we're going to make a lot of progress this week. Um, it's still on the cool side. Uh, moisture is variable across the whole Midwest, but it looks like most most areas are going to get a pretty good opportunity to get a good a good amount of work done here in this first week of May. So let's talk about that cooler weather. Joey, you're an agronomist, and so this is kind of in your wheelhouse. I've talked with a lot of producers, and there's various schools of thought out there. Some say you know, it's better to get it in as quickly as possible. As soon as the calendar says it's time to go, you know, we're going. Some guys have been more of the camp of we're going to wait until warmer temperatures come around and those soil temperatures are a bit more amicable to quick and early emergence. What are your thoughts on that, Joey? It's definitely a balance. I think it's a balance of both of those mindsets. I'm a field agronomist in Wisconsin. I've worked in in Minnesota and Northern Illinois in most of my career so far. So I'd say the Northern Corn Belt. But at some point in Northern Corn Belt, yeah, the calendar almost trumps anybody's logical thoughts, whether it should or not. And, and you know, producers, we're going to get out there and get, get things planted. That has to happen in the Northern Corn Belt. As you work further south, of course, some more patience can pay off into some better soil conditions, particularly on the temperature side of things. And you can generally, of course, get some better stands with those temperatures. Most of what I've seen is that if you plant into a warming trend, even if we are below those textbook numbers of high 40s to low 50s for a, a bare minimum for soil conditions, if you can even plant into a warming trend in the in the mid 40s, but improving, generally you see good stands on both corn and soybeans with that being the case. It's a challenge we fight almost every year in the Northern Corn Belt. It's a question I answer almost every year. Should we go? Should we not? I generally just look at the, is the warming trend getting better? And even if a few days down the road, it looks like it's going to get cool again. If you can get a good two to four days of good conditions after that seed goes in the ground, generally you can get good emergence and good stands from that. If you plant right in advance of a cold snap, particularly if it has rain with it red or precipitation or snow, like we've seen some this year, that's when we typically see issues both corn and bean wise with planting on the early side and, and temperatures not not working in our favor. So it's a challenge. It's rarely do you have the perfect right answer for every situation, but with genetics and seed treatments, we can kind of push the envelope a little bit more than, again, what kind of the textbook high 40 to low 50 temperatures can be. It's not ideal. It's not great. If we could wait till 55 degrees every year, that'd be great. But there are legitimately areas that don't get to 55 degree soil temps until June. So 
that's not realistic with the way we do our production right now. So that's that's what I've seen in, in my travels and experiences so far. It's interesting. Each planting season has its own story, if you will. And we're kind of in chapter one of mm-hmm. of this year's planting season. You pointed out it's been a little bit cooler in a lot of areas than maybe is ideal. We've got some areas that are a little drier than maybe they'd like to see. Well, you know, the old farmer saying is, you know, plant in the dust and the bins will bust. Some guys are a little bit gun shy of that, particularly parts of the far western Corn Belt, especially given the impact that the drought has had on them last year, where maybe some of the eastern Corn Belt is a little wetter than what they were hoping to be. And and maybe in the form of whiter precipitation than what they had hoped, uh, given the fact that it's May. What is particularly notable about this planting season versus planting seasons past? Or are there things that you're watching in particular early on in the planting season that could make it a bit unique or different than years past? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something I'm, I'm watching some, particularly on the dry side. My immediate geography here in Wisconsin we're rarely too dry in the springtime, honestly, but talking with a lot of colleagues and coworkers out west, I know that some operations have, like you said, quit planting for the time being, waiting on some more moisture, whether it be you know Nebraska, Kansas geography, or wherever that may be. They're worried about just even getting decent stands from just not having enough moisture. And that's actually on a, on a small scale. I did see that a little bit last year. Um, again, in Wisconsin, we're, we're usually not short of moisture, honestly, so we're not used to having to really pay attention to that. But I have seen it. If you get a really quick warm up in the northern or any anywhere, you can actually miss moisture, even if you're planting it. What is your typical planting depth of roughly two inches for corn and maybe a little shallower for beans? Had some erratic stands last year when those depths were followed, but we just we lost moisture at that depth. We saw some bad stands from it. So that's something I'm kind of advising producers, especially if they're on some lighter soils or some just more drought prone soils, even in this geography. Make sure you're hitting moisture with that, even in our cooler temperatures now. If we do get a quick turnaround in the forecast and it gets warm, you can be planting out of moisture before you really realize it. So you got to pay attention to that. Another thing I'm watching is we might be setting up for another similar situation to last year where we might put a lot of this crop in again during this first week of May. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it doesn't really spread the risk out either from state to state or even in the whole Midwest for that matter. If we get five to seven good days of running here from May 2nd through May 8th or 9th, what the forecast is showing, you know, there's going to be some tremendous progress made, which is good, but it also sets up most of that crop to be along the same risk pattern for weather events or pollination or just heat stress throughout the year with not a lot of spread and the way that crop is going to develop. So it's not a bad thing to make good progress. We still have very much on-time planting right now, but it is, it's a, it's a risk you really can't walk away from or manage when you get this great of weather for maybe a week and a lot of the crop goes in in the same planting window. So something to keep a keep an eye on down the road, but I don't think any anybody is going to tell anybody to not make a lot of good progress this week if the opportunity presents itself. That's certainly going to be the case. I know there's a number of producers that have been chomping at the bit to get out there and get after it. And undoubtedly, as the forecast calls for warmer weather, that's the very thing that they're going to do. And given the size of equipment, they're going to be able to do it in a hurry, which certainly our markets are objectifying early on. We've seen the you know December corn market, the November soybean market really see a lot of pressure here as of late. And for those who are sellers of corn and soybeans, we're all hoping and praying, quite frankly, that maybe we don't uh, have a perfect growing season somewhere, uh, hopefully to give this market a, a little bit of a boost and see if uh, we can't get a bit of a weather market as we move into the regular growing season. One of the things that 
a lot of our producers as we as we pivot and start talking about markets. One of the topics that a lot of producers were concerned about this year were high input costs. And mm-hmm. you know, that really started out with prepay season, fertilizer prices were near record high levels. They've certainly, you know, come off some of those highs. Diesel fuel was at high levels. That's kind of retraced and come back lower as well. When it comes to the agronomic side specifically, knowing that producers are a bit more cost conscious than maybe they were in the prior year or two, given the forecast and outlook for prices, how are you working with producers in context of higher input costs, but yet still really trying to achieve those high-end yields? Yeah, that's an annual question. And it's, it's been a kind of a interesting experience the last couple of years. I'll reference back to, let's say, like 2018, 2019, and, and part of 2020, where we had both low input, but also low commodity prices. And we kind of learned how to grow a, well, it was a, ultimately still a pretty good crop on kind of a shoestring budget. And we learned what we needed, what we didn't. We did some good analysis on return on investment on certain inputs, questions, whether that was nitrogen rates or additive ingredients, fungicide applications, whatever it may be. And then we did get, like you said, a pretty good run there in 20, late 2020, 21 and 22 with some better crop prices and inputs were lagged a little bit. So it made for some pretty good margins and you didn't have to be quite as careful to still be economically successful. I think we're just seeing margins get tighter again, like you said, and I work more as an agronomist, but of course, if I make a recommendation that doesn't economically work, it's a bad recommendation. And so I'm kind of leaning back on the lessons we learned maybe a couple of years ago on how to grow a good crop on you know, a smaller budget or just a, a tighter margin budget. And we're just kind of there again now. The numbers are bigger, both on the in and outside, but being able to rationalize, okay, what's my return on investment for this fertilizer source? Or is it worth putting in this new ingredient that we think is going to get us two to four more bushels? Well, does the, does the payoff work? You know, when it when bushels were $6 and $14 for corn and beans, the, the math was easier. Now that we're trending closer to you know, five and 12, it does take a pretty measurable percentage off the output side. And so we've got to just keep an eye on the inputs and hopefully, hopefully I've learned some lessons, done some good on-farm trials in the last couple of years in terms of understanding what gives us a return and what doesn't. That's really ultimately what it is. Some things give a smaller bushel return, but if bushels are worth more, you can justify that ingredient. If the margins get a lot tighter and that same bushel return is there, but a bushel is worth less, sometimes that practice doesn't, doesn't pay in years like this. So it's, it's a challenge to know exactly where that is every year or what is going to give you that bona fide return on investment, but just kind of consistency, good record keeping and good on-farm trials. And I'll put a quick plug in, you know, the VEX PFR program does a pretty good job of, of looking at farm scale research and trying to answer those questions as well for growers. And so trying to look at that, understanding where is the ROI, what practices make sense, what practices bring value to the farm, regardless of where commodity prices are, that's, that's where the focus has to be. For, for agronomic recommendations, because again, if I make an agronomic recommendation that adds five bushels, but has the expense of seven, that's a bad recommendation. We can't, we can't be doing that on, on a broad scale and expect to be successful. So that's how I look at it. That's how I try to make a good agronomic recommendation that still puts some dollars back in the pocket. Joey, you mentioned Beck's PFR research plots, and that's certainly something that a lot of producers are familiar with. Bex is well known for the research that they do. I'm curious for the coming year, what are some of the fun trials or plots that you guys are working on that could potentially come to market in the future? Absolutely. Yeah, we've got still have a continuation of some planting date studies, kind of to go back to almost that first question you asked, you know, when is a good time to plant? We're continuing to do those in the PFR program. 
to continually help answer the question, was this a good time to plant? Were these soil conditions? Were these temperature conditions? You know, was this the right answer or not? Those trials always help us shape and form that question on an annual basis. There are still some trials for fungicide usage, both on corn and beans. Again, when, when returns were big and fungicide typically has a pretty dependable response, it's just a matter of is it an economic response and is it the right you know, pest management decision to make all things considered. If we still continue to do those trials in changing environment and with new fungicide ingredients, is that still, you know, the the right answer for every situation? So that's going to be a big one going forward here for the next couple of years in both soybeans and corn. And then also, um, without getting too specific, there are some biological products, both on the nitrogen fixation and others in terms of there's a lot of new products in the, in the marketplace on trying to help with fertility and fertilizer availability from our soils. We're doing some trials into that as well to help answer those questions for customers and and for farmers. Do these products work? How do they work? Where do we see them working? And how do we get the most consistent returns from them? So really excited to kind of see where that goes. Again, trying to have the most applicable and kind of farm level type approach to those questions. Appreciate you sharing some of that, Joey. It's one of the things I love most about production agriculture is that we're always moving the needle forward. We're always trying to be better. We're always trying to do more with less if we're really being honest about it. And I don't think anybody does it better than America's farmers. And all of us that support them in the industry certainly hope to come alongside and, and complement what they're doing to, to help move the needle forward on that front. Joey, it has been a pleasure talking to you today. I really appreciate you taking time and joining us on our podcast. I'm not going to let you off the hook real easy, though. The last question I'm going to ask you, do you have any, uh, dare I say, bold predictions for the national yield this year or prognostications on how this crop could come to fruition? Certainly it's early, but always like to throw this out for a little fun. Oh, boy. It's a little early for me to put a number on it. I, I will I will punt on that one, but I will say with the conditions we have coming up this week, I know I looked at the last um, planting progress report from from yesterday. I know the northern corn belt is a bit behind on planting progress. I think northern Illinois, Iowa, Minnesota, that's of course a huge chunk of production, Indiana included as well. Um, by the numbers right now, they're behind, but I think that will be a big shift this week. And honestly, if that geography gets planted well and gets good stands, both corn and bean wise, I love to see a big crop. Of course, economics sometimes make that challenging to stomach because it makes the prices go down usually. Um, But if we have a successful week or next 10 days in that geography, I think it's going to be hard to have the crop be lackluster. I'm not going to say it's a record. Just in my experience, if you get a good start to the crop prior to May 10th in that geography, it's probably going to be pretty respectable. Um, There's a lot of season left to go, but starting off on a good foot in those very heavy, intense production areas of, again, Iowa, southern Minnesota, northern Illinois. That's kind of the cream of the crop there. There's going to be challenges out west. I think it's maybe unmistakably dry or, or unprecedentedly dry out west from everyone I've talked to, but I think it's going to be a good crop with what we've got going there. We're not super delayed on planting yet, so I'm not going to put a number to it. I'm not going to try to guess if there's a corn bean shift, but if if the next 10 days go well, we'll be started off on a good foot. Excellent. Thanks for your insight on that, Joey. If Listeners would like to learn more about Bex Hybrids. How can they best do so? Yes, absolutely. Go to bexhybrids.com. There's ways to look and see what the the product lineup, uh, the links to all the the PFR studies from prior years and what's what will be going on there. 
and also just good agronomic articles in terms of management practices, what's going on in the field, day-by-day updates by the agronomy team and the product team in terms of what we are seeing, what our recommendations are for even, like I said, even day-to-day updates on should I plant, should I not plant. So yeah, bexhybrids.com is the easiest way to find us on the computer. Find your local dealer, find your local seed advisor, local Bex agronomist. We're all throughout the, the Midwest or even just the, the larger corn growing areas. And by all means, we've got a lot of field shows across the Midwest throughout the summer. So I'll be happy to see you at one of those too and make a connection. So please find us. Excellent, Joey. Thanks again for joining us on the show. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, subscribe to our podcast, share it with a friend or give us a review. Thank you to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's show. 